When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Bookmarked is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. That's audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. Welcome, everyone, to our book club discussion of Concrete Rose. This is our first ever, well, official book club discussion, although the episode format is going to be pretty similar to things we've done in the past, um, where we've discussed a book or sometimes we've even discussed movie or film adaptations of books. Uh, but that's going to be the same format today. We're going to be talking about a single book, Concrete Rose by Angie Thomas. We've all read it. We're excited to dive into it. But before we do that, let's introduce everybody who's here. My name is Saul, and we also have Michael. Hello. We have Chelsea. Hey there. Spencer. Hi, everyone. Brittany. Hi. And Eleanor. Hello. So we have, uh, that makes six of us. I didn't even count how many people we were going to have beforehand. But that's on the side of of a much larger panel. Again, before we go too far, though, I will say, if you like the show, please subscribe and leave us a rating in Apple Podcasts. Uh, when you do that, you're making it easier for other people to discover our show, and obviously that helps us out a ton, and we'd really appreciate it. Um, maybe if you like this episode, or if this is your first time uh, listening, uh, we just really appreciate it if you took a couple of minutes to do that. Uh, but basically, the idea behind the book club, we, we talked about it a little bit in sort of our preview we released last month. But one of the things we wanted to do, especially reflecting last year, was uh, find ways to highlight and discuss the authors of color and really kind of like shine a spotlight on those books. And uh, one of our our ideas was, well, why not do like a book club uh, on the podcast where we're specifically looking at own voices books? So for our first selection, we thought Concrete Rose would be perfect. It's uh, Angie Thomas's newest title. It's the prequel to The Hate You Give. Angie Thomas's, she's been around on the scene for five years now, has it been? I don't remember. When did The Hate You Give come out? 2016? 2015? February 2017. Oh, it's 2017. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm a little off. <laughs> no way. She is such an influential author at this point. Like the, I think her words have resonated with a lot of people. And so this is easily one of the biggest books of the year. And it just seemed appropriate that we would dive into it and uh, discuss it on the show. So um, the last thing I'm going to say before we begin is because all five or six of us have read this book, uh, there are going to be spoilers in this episode. So if you haven't read Concrete Rose by Angie Thomas, go read that book. Then come back and listen to what we have to say about it, because uh, we're not going to be holding anything back in terms of spoilers here. So let's go ahead and get started. 
The very first thing I want to do is a quick round and kind of ask everybody uh, what you think about the book in like the broadest sense. Like what, if you had to give this a star rating on Goodreads or if you were writing the review for Bookstacked, uh, what rating on a five-star scale would you give Concrete Rose? Uh, definitely, I would give it at least a 4.5 uh, out of 5. I thought it was I thought it was exceptional. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think 4.5 out of 5. Um, I loved it, and I think I loved it, especially because I feel like it was just relatable to anyone. Like, it's a specific story, but not just YA, not just... Uh, certain communities but sort of everyone could embrace it for what it was so definitely 4.5 I'm also a 4.5 um the dialect she uses is probably my favorite thing and just being literally felt like I was just thrown into Garden Heights and so she did a really great job of setting the scene and setting the story up for me it's um just my personal policy to give everything angie thomas says or writes a five stars um which like isn't to say i didn't read it critically like i i I read it you know as critically as i could and still was impressed by it you know like i i I had really high expectations and still my expectations are met angie thomas is just one of the best you know writers not just ya but just writers authors out there right now um we're so lucky to have her writing for young adults I also gave it a five stars and if anyone follows my reviews you know that's really rare because I'm unbelievably difficult to please but yeah this was just unlike anything I've read before honestly and I thought Andrew Thomas dealt well with a multitude of things just in quite a short book really so yeah I was very impressed. Okay and this is also a five star for me like this was one of the best books I've read in a while easily and same, I feel like I, I haven't found like a really good book in a long time. I, I this is a recurring thing for me. <laughs> but uh, this this was for sure like fantastic. Everything about it. Uh, I have only good things to say about this book. So I I was saying beforehand we hadn't talked about how we all felt about the book um, up until this point. But I was saying before we recorded that I think this is might be like the first time where all of us are on the same page about a book usually there's like one or two of us who feels a little differently from everybody else but it's awesome to see that we're we all really enjoyed this book so yeah i'm gonna say this was a good selection for our first time around it's just off the bat so that's awesome one other thing i want to point out before we continue is none of us here are african-american or black uh, I just feel like that's important to to mention to everybody who's listening. Obviously, you can't see our faces. If you go on the website, you can see who we are. But uh, if you're listening on the podcast, that might not be obvious to you right away. A, a couple of us are people of color, but we're not black. And so, like, I know for me, there were certain aspects that I was able to relate to. But obviously, it's a very different experience, like, for my own life. And I think probably all of our lives here who are on the panel. But that's just something I think isn't that's important to point out. So that way you kind of have some context of who we are and how we're approaching this novel. So uh, what I asked everybody to do is to come up with their biggest takeaway, uh, the biggest thing that they want to highlight or talk about from this book. And so I think that's what we're going to do. We'll just go around the circle. There are six of us and we could just talk uh, one by one a little bit about what we felt stuck out about this book or what what really shined through in Angie Thomas's book. And we'll discuss each point. So does anybody want to volunteer to, to go first? 
I might go first because mine is quite basic in a sense, but like I feel like we're going to get on to more intense discussions later on. But the thing that kind of just stuck out to me is that Angie Thomas is just a really good writer. Like we've all given it four point five five stars, and it's it's kind of it's been obvious in the hate you give and in our second book on the come up, which I don't think has ever got as much recognition or acknowledgement as the, 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 the Hate You Give and Concrete Rose, but it was also a brilliant book. And then she's just moved up another level with this one. Like, she's such a good storyteller. She's just, like, such a good writer. Like, the way that she writes the dialect, like, you just believe that you're there. Like, everything about it just comes together. And I think this is the fastest I've read a book as well, because it's the first time in so long that I've just flown through a book because I just didn't want to put it down and that just that just stuck out to me is that she's just so good like at the beginning so you kind of mistook it for being 2016 is because I think this doesn't feel like a third book I feel like she feels as if she's been writing for a lot longer than you know four or five years she feels as if she's been publishing for decades yeah I really agree with you and my uh, takeaway kind of goes along with that I got to the end of this book and wanted more. I was like, cool, when's the next one about Maverick coming out? Like, there's going to be another one, right? Like, there has to be. But I think more than that, it was so easy to read through, and it was so seamless in the story. And I also think that this character that she's created both in The Hate You Give and in further in this book of Maverick is one you want to continue to follow. She's created somebody who's so easy to root for, even when you don't necessarily agree with the choices he's making, or you, I mean, he's a 17-year-old boy, so there are moments where you're like, dude, come on, I'm I'm rooting for you. But you also understand, like, she's so sympathetic to all of her characters that you understand exactly where he's coming from and why the choices happen exactly the way they do. But I think also because we know the story from the hate you give and we know where things are going we know what this 15 or 16 years later looks like for him and you know more about what happened between the end of concrete rose and the beginning of the hate you give that i really want more of that story and i want to know what happened obviously it's kind of foreshadowed in this book that he's going to take the rap for uh, one of his friends and, and fellow members of the gang and go to jail for a period of time for that um, and be away from his family. And it was so interesting to read about his relationship with his father in jail and, and how he feels about that. I really want to follow this character through that journey and, and see what happens specifically. I would also say, um, I think it's always a question with prequels of whether you should reread the book, the first book before you read the prequel, because it's a little bit different than sequels. And with this, I did find myself going back to sort of the Wikipedia page of The Hate You Give to remind, I read it a couple years ago now, I think. And so I was like reminding myself of the story. And so I do think if you're, if you're someone who likes to have all the detail you can, this is a great book to go back, reread The Hate You Give, and then come to Concrete Rose, I think is, is a smart way to do it. And yeah, she's such an incredible writer. It's so easy to to consume her her writing it will not take you a whole lot of time to do both of those things so but no i i completely agree and i i loved it 
I was going to say, I'd almost say the opposite. I hadn't read The Hate You Give before I read Concrete Rose. Um, so I was really interested to like to read the prequel first and to get that take on it. And as soon as I finished Concrete Rose, I loved it so much that I ordered The Hate You Give from the library. I was like, I have to read this immediately. But I don't think you need to have read The Hate You Give to get everything out of Concrete Rose because it built up a relationship for me with Maverick. And like I was rooting for him and I adored him from this book. And knowing then that the hate you give was coming, I was like, amazing. I get to see him as an adult. I get to see, you know, all this stuff that he's worked so hard for. I get to see it come to light. Um, and I didn't feel like I was missing anything because I didn't know that story beforehand. Maybe it'd be different now if I reread Concrete Rose. But yeah, I just wanted to say that if you haven't read the hate you give, don't worry. Just get them both because you'll be wanting to read them both together straight away. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's, I think if I hadn't read The Hate You Give, I would have wanted to read them Concrete Rose to The Hate You Give, and that would have worked as well. I just think because I read The Hate You Give a while ago, there were like little moments in the book where I was like, I feel like I should know more about that, and I don't quite remember. And like, it was just kind of that, like, what am I not even missing, but just like, I feel like I know something about that, and I can't quite remember all of it. And so just wanting to have had the hate you give because I had part of it in my brain. I wanted to have like all of it ready to like fully enjoy both of them. But I totally agree. If you haven't read the hate you give and you've got concrete rows in front of you, read it. Don't <laughs> don't stop. Read them both. They're both incredible. There are obviously connections to the hate you give in this book and um, certain things that you can pick up on have, if you've read The Hate You Give, but it is a book that stands on its own. And that was something I really thought too, and got kind of going to Michael's point is that she's just a great writer. And I think the fact that she doesn't have to rely too much or really at all um, on The Hate You Give and what's going on in that book in order to make this book great says a lot. Because when you have spinoffs and when people do prequels and everything, they, they seem to really focus on fan service uh, and, and little moments like that, that that kind of, I don't know, elicit emotion out of the audience. And again, th there is like some fan service in here. Like there are there are connections and cameos. But uh, exactly what Eleanor said, you don't need to have read The Hate You Give in order to like appreciate the story that was in Concrete Rose. Concrete Rose is so solid that it's able to just completely stand on its own. Okay, I do have a question for everyone uh eleanor mentioned that she hasn't read the hate you give yet well i don't know if you have started yet since we've recorded i've, um, I've read the whole thing i thought oh. i needed to before the podcast it's so good i had to read it all <laughs> okay none of us knew that I kind of um here in the video call all of our eyes just like got huge <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing okay well i'm gonna that's super interesting i guess then i can ask this question of everybody which Maybe this is unfair. I don't know, but I'm kind of curious, which do you prefer? Do you prefer Concrete Rose or The Hate You Give? So for me, and, and albeit it's been a while since I've read The Hate You Give, it has been two or three years, um, when the movie came out. And we actually did a podcast when the movie came out, and I was still reading it at that point. Uh, but I think, if I remember correctly, I gave The Hate You Give also a five. That was a, another five for me. It was very good. Um, but I think I prefer Concrete Rose over The Hate You Give. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say. I agree. Yeah, I also prefer Concrete Rose. And maybe because I don't have as much of a long-term connection with The Hate You Give, but having read them both back-to-back -back as well, 
even though Maverick Carter is even more of a polar opposite to me than Star Carter is with like the 90s he's a young black American he's the complete opposite of my whole life but I somehow feel more connected to him than I do with Star um I think maybe some of what he's going through or just how kind of raw and powerful Concrete Rose is I felt a lot more endeared to his story and um maybe a lot more empathetic and I rooted for him a lot more as much as I loved the hate give which I also gave five stars um yeah I don't know there was just something like an extra level of connection there that I didn't necessarily get with the hate you give what about the rest of you are you too nervous to select one over the other <laughs> that's my I'm problem still... I'm like I I can't answer this question for you Saul there there's no answer for me I I have a really hard time separating the two um they they go so well like side by side reading them both together and so like I mean the hate you give had a huge impact on me as a as a reader um and really shifted the way that I I thought about the world and also really like re-sparked a huge interest in YA literature for me and so it does kind of have a, a special place in my heart but also Concrete Rose was like telling me a story that I had never heard before I was so um impressed by it the conversation that Angie Thomas is having about uh like for example teen parenthood um which is something that you so rarely see in YA and especially even less so from like a male perspective so the the conversation that she was having about masculinity connected with me right in a different way um as a male there was maybe more for me to relate to in this novel so i, I can't really separate the two i i, I really love them both equally <laughs> i think for me too it i don't know that i could choose one over the other and i think part of that comes from the fact that they're very different books like they're obviously she has an incredible writing style and they're about a one's about the father of the other's young girl so they're about the same family in essence but I think the hate you give is about like at at the core of the hate you give there's this idea of code switching in the African-American community and there's the fact that like the way people communicate in that book and the way the dialogue is written is this back and forth of when she's in Garden Heights versus when she's at Williamson. And it creates this slightly different style that makes it kind of a different book in my head than Concrete Rose, which is really about like sort of, I think like Brittany said, like you're in this community and you feel like you are here and it's all encompassing in Garden Heights. And so I think in that way they're, I mean, obviously I love them both, but they're, they're different stories. And, and so they're a little harder to compare um, but I think that's what I also really appreciated about this book was it was different. Like it was a continuation of this story we all really enjoyed, but it was about something else. It wasn't just like, here's more of what you liked. It was like, here are some characters that you love. Let's see some other challenges that they've had. Let's see some other ways that they respond to things. Um, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I agree. It's really hard to pick between the two. Star and her dad have very different voices. Um, which I love. I think that definitely speaks to Angie Thomas and her talent and her, I don't know if I can cuss on here, but block this out if I can't, her badassery, if I may. <laughs> um, but it's so hard. I feel like I can't have one without the other now. 
I feel like I can't have the hate you give without concrete rows and I can't have concrete rows without the hate you give, even though they can stand on their own as books, as somebody who's very invested in these characters now and who has read both books, I can't not have them both together. And I just think their voices are so different and I just, I can't pick one. And it's so, you know, part of me wants to pick The Hate You Give only because it speaks more to, I think, the time that we are in right now, um, or especially, you know, everything that happened in 2020. And so I think The Hate You Give is still very relevant and still very loud in my head, if you will. Um, But it's just, you can't, to me, you can't have one without the other now. Yeah, I'm struggling. I'm kind of going back and forward now since you've asked that. Can I, in some ways, I want to say I prefer the hate you give, but I don't know if that sounds stupid to say, but almost a nostalgia thing because I'm like, oh, remember the hate you give? I loved that book whenever it came out four years ago. But then I've also got the recency bias with Concrete Rose. But I think that's, I, th- I think that plays into both of their favours. Like they're both so good that and they're both like everyone keeps saying they're both such different books but they're also both incredibly similar like you know they're both incredibly Andrew Thomas and yeah so I think I'm just going to politely refuse to answer your question (laughs) that sounds reasonable no I know sorry I'm just kind of curious because that was a question that was going through my head as I was as I was reading it I don't. I inevitably have to ask myself that question, um, and I do think I'm a bit like Eleanor. There's something about Maverick that I related to a bit more than Star, but that in no way, for me, like diminishes what Star represents and what that story is. It's really difficult, and and maybe I think part of it might be this is my t- this kind of leans into my takeaway. Um, part of one of the things, one of the reasons why I think I relate so much to Maverick is because he's a father. Um, and not that I'm a father, but <laughs> I, I have a couple of like, uh, nieces that have come to my life the last couple of years. And so like seeing somebody young grow and like wanting the best for them and just, just, just like loving them so much that really stood out to me, seeing that come from, from a YA book character. And I'm sure that this isn't the first book where the main character is a parent, but I, honestly haven't read many myself uh where that's the case and so being able to see this guy that this young kid really um try to grow into a father and like in some ways he just like he's yeah you're rooting for him and you want him to do so well and he doesn't quite get it it's not clicking for him but there's no question that he loves this his son seven and just even his whole reasoning for coming up with the name seven and the way he defends him and just like that love that was incredible for me to experience and see in this book and it made me an instant fan of him like just instantly because i mean that's the beginning of the book is he gets his son and there's something about that that just makes him so lovable and i think that's where i really connected with him personally i was gonna say Saul, do you have something to tell us no 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 (laughs) my only baby is book stacked (laughs) the joke i was gonna make i was gonna say your book stacks father i do want to point out i do love that in the first chapter we find out that he's 
Is it the first chapter that we find out he's a father? Um, but I'm like, oh, way to just jump right into it and start this thing. Like, I love books that do that. I hate books that I'm like, they're dragging on and on. And I don't find out until like halfway through the book, like, oh, you finally got your results back, <laughs> you know? Um, so I love that she just jumps right in and does it. There's always that silly buildup where, you know, they're going to say like, I'm pregnant, but it takes like six chapters. And you're like, why are we beating around? Like, we know what's going on. Let's get there. Um, but I also appreciate that because it jumped in so fast, I feel like a lot of times with young pregnancy stories, the baby's like, or the pregnancy, not the baby, but the pregnancy is like a punishment of some kind or like shaming the parents. It always becomes this like challenge that then like has the potential to destroy lives. And I appreciated that, especially with seven in this book, that was not the way it was. It was just like, this thing has come into my life and I'm going to take care of it. And my family's going to help take care of me and we're going to make this work. Um, and I thought that was, I thought that really came from the fact that the, she timed the book so well of just like jumping right in that we didn't have that kind of weird, ambiguous feeling to it that sometimes comes with teen pregnancy stories or young pregnancy stories. Well, even when we find out that um, Lisa is pregnant, like, I wasn't surprised, but at the same time, I had kind of forgotten how close in age seven and star were that I was like, oh, that's right. Like you would have to be pregnant right now. But it wasn't something that it was like um, I was expecting throughout the entire novel. Like I love that she was able to create this atmosphere of, oh, I'm still second guessing everything here. I don't know everything about Star's family. Um, And so even finding out that Lisa was pregnant was still somewhat of a surprise to me. It really threw me off, actually, because I knew the general gist of The Hate You Give and what the connection was with Concrete Rose. But when the results came back and like they had a boy, I was like, wait, hold on. The Hate You Give is about a girl, I'm sure it is. And it, yeah, it really threw me for it. I was like Googling the book. I was like, wait, what's going on? Have I missed something? Have I missed a whole other book? Yeah, so I, I appreciate the way that um, Angie Thomas is able to um, kind of startle you like that and that it happened for you guys as well and not just me having an internal freak out. <laughs> I guess it's maybe a good time to bring up my big takeaway, not just with the pregnancy, but everything else going on in Maverick's life with the uh, selling drugs, the violence, the gang life that he's caught up in. There's no shame around any of those things. When I was reading, because if you've read The Hit You Give, you know that Maverick uh, does jail time. Like Chelsea had hinted to earlier, he takes the rep for King and, and in order to escape the King Lord life, um, spend some time in prison. So knowing that that was in Maverick's future, I thought that that was going to be the inevitable conclusion to this story. So while I was reading, and that just, I mean, reflects some of my biases as a reader and the way that um, as a white reader, uh, like I have seen in so many stories about young black boys that they end in tragedy, right? And so this whole time that I'm reading, I'm thinking this story is headed for tragedy. Um, at what point is Maverick going to be arrested? At what point does this all end poorly and sadly? And so it was just a, a wonderful surprise and something that really challenged me when I got to the ending and it was like this happy, beautiful ending that that's not what the story was about you know that Maverick's life is not a tragedy not something to look down on but instead Angie gives us the story that is just full of these moments of joy and life and happiness and that we're able to like Maverick's story in the concrete roses is one of coming into his manhood his masculinity fatherhood and and doing so well and succeeding 
right? Like by the end of the story, he is an awesome dad and he is an awesome friend and an awesome partner. Um, he still has lots to learn in life, but this is a story of, of, of like joy and success. Um, this isn't just a story of tragedy and shame. Yeah, I definitely agree. I thought when I first read the like summary of the book and what it was about, and it talked about how he has a chance to make his life right and to turn it around, I thought, oh, he's going to you know, take the rap, turn himself in, end up in prison, whatever. So I was still waiting for that. Even up until like the last chapter, I was like, what is going on here? And then when I finished, I had to go back and reread the summary because I could have swore it had mentioned going to the cops and turning himself in or whatever. And then in my mind, I was like, I cannot believe I just assumed that's how he has to make his life right is by going to the cops and turning somebody in or turning himself in or whatever. And so it really had to, it pulled out like the own bias in me as far as um, thinking that's the only way to make it right. And I think that was a little bit of the hate you give too, was that she had to go to the cops to turn in a cop and just her struggle to trust who to trust when she's talking about, you know, what she witnessed. And so in my mind, I'm thinking that's what's going to happen. And it doesn't. And it is just such a refreshing ending that he can still turn his life around without having to go to the cops. There's something I want to add to that, <laughs> to what you just said. But I think we're going to end here really quick for a commercial break. Unfortunately, I hate doing commercial breaks, but <laughs> we're going to run a commercial anyway. Um, so stick with us. We'll be right back right after this. Looking for something to listen to after this podcast is over? We always suggest reading a book. And what better way to consume books than with Audible? In the subway or in the car, when you're mowing the lawn or doing dishes, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. You can always catch up on your TBR list with an audiobook. And for listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. Audible selections includes books like Victoria Aveyard's Red Queen series and Tomi Ediemi's Children of Blood and Bone. Again, go to audibletrial.com slash bookstack for your free audiobook. And don't forget that even if you quit the trial, you get to keep the book. So this thought that I had, it was kind of my backup takeaway, and maybe I'm cheating a little bit bringing it up. I feel like it really goes well with what we were just talking about, about um, Maverick's entire situation, how it casts it in a positive light. One of the things I noticed was that the adults in this book are really good role models, <laughs> with maybe the exception of one who's barely in the book. But like, they're all great. And even Maverick's father, who is in prison, like he gives some really solid advice. And I love the fact, too, that uh, especially these days when you look at the news and everything, you talk about um, inmates and people in jail or, or in prison, they're stripped of their humanity, I, I feel like. Um, you see that a lot, too, lately with, like, the talks of the vaccine and who are we going to give it out to and everything. And and um, anyway, the fact that she depicted, like, this loving family, 
you know, despite this, she just like, like you're able to see that, you know, even though the, this is a man in prison, he's still a good man at heart. Right. And he still has a family and he still loves his son. And he also isn't perfect. Uh, I think Maverick calls him out on some things <laughs> in, in one particular scene, but they still love each other. Like, and they have like this incredible bond. And I, I just, yeah, again, I just love that she's able to to take, put that in a positive light. Like the, so often too in YA, I think the uh, external conflict or the villains are the adults, and I, you can't really say that in in this in this book. Uh, the adults were great. Like I loved the dad, I loved the mom, um, I love Mr. Wyatt. <laughs> uh, I thought he was a fantastic character. He just has these really solid parental characters in his life, and I thought that was amazing. But like you said, even with that, um, the char- the adults aren't flawless. Like, I think you sort of go from books for children and the parents are like these amazing, amazing parents and the kids can go and do whatever they want. And then you get sometimes to teen fiction and YA and like you say, the adults are the villain and they're suddenly like flipped. Whereas in this book, as much as they are amazing role models, they're not like deemed perfect. They still make mistakes and they still say, say things that, you're like, well, you can't say that to him. Like, I'm there, like, trying to protect Maverick because his mum's having a go at him or something. But, you know, Anish Thomas isn't trying to hide the fact that adults still get it wrong sometimes and they still mess up. But she's also showing that there's healthy dynamics there and, and they apologise when it's right and they take time to think and reflect. Like, um, his dad, you know, as much as he says that, you know, you, you can't talk to me like that, he takes the time to reflect and to understand Maverick's point of view and I think it shows just how well this book suits all audiences because it also shows adult audiences that they don't have to be perfect but they can also build on these relationships that they have with their kids and kids can read this and go oh I I can have a better relationship with my parents or when I grow up I can be these role models and I you know there's this pressure that you you become an adult and you have to know exactly what you're doing all the time but you don't. And I think Andrew Thomas is sort of showing that as long as you take responsibility for your mistakes and as long as you try your hardest, then everything's going to be all right in the end, no matter how old you are. And I think that was what was really smart about the fact that this character was a father from another book is like the hit you give is another example of a story where the the adults are not perfect. The adults make mistakes. The adults are trying their best to protect their kids, but they don't always know exactly how to do that and but I do think the character of Maverick in The Hate You Give is kind of held up as this like sort of shining example of of an African-American male who is protecting his family and doing everything he can um, and trying to help his community as much as possible as well and I think there's something really special about there now being a book where it's like yes in The Hate You Give he was this incredible role model but he made mistakes when he was 17 too like but he has a humanity to him that like is sometimes a little bit easier to understand when you see them as children and you can see them making mistakes in a way that children do. And I think that's a really powerful aspect of the connection of these two books of you can really idolize Maverick and the hate you give, but also see that he had to learn what he, what he knew and, and what he was able to pass on to his own kids. And also, yeah, his mother was sympathetic and, strong and there for him and that allowed him to be sympathetic and strong and be there for his kids and how we can pass that down to the next generation as well 
Yeah, that was actually my biggest takeaway, Saul, was um, just their generational habits, their generational outcomes that just were in this book in general. And um, even like his confrontation with his dad, both when he's yelling at him and both when he comes back and like apologize and apologizes and is like, his dad is like, I'm not going to give you the permission that you're looking for. Um, and even like when he says it takes a real man to admit that you want out of this. And I even wrote down on page five, um, he quotes that says, guess we not old enough to go by our own names yet. And just the fact that they have the title of their fathers literally looming above their heads and everybody calls them by who their fathers are until they have become man enough to have their own names and to carry their own identity is huge. And then at the end, his father is like, no, it takes a real man in order for you to step up and admit this. And then knowing him in the hate you give as Maverick Carter. I have no idea who the heck little Don is <laughs> like that made no sense to me. And so just being able to see where he starts as little Don and his dad giving him that sort of freedom to be that man. And then of course, knowing him as Maverick Carter. And then I also loved this. Um, it was like the first opening of the New York times review of Angie Thomas concrete rose. And it said, the inheritance we carry from those who came before us is a knot of roots that can be complicated to unravel. It can take a lifetime of work to distinguish the threads that shape the people we, we grow to be. And I loved that because she um, embraces that so well in Concrete Rose. And even, you know, I think a lot of us can be shaped by not just our parents, but also by our culture learning to break those certain cycles is hard because certain people are going to praise you for it. And then certain people are going to look down on you for it and being able to relate with Maverick in that sort of sense, as far as his culture and his surroundings go and what his friends are telling him to do, what his family is telling him to do. It's a really big thing to step out of the cultural norms. And I love that Angie Thomas just embraces that in Concrete Rose. I didn't want to jump in because we're all being like very serious in these in-depth discussions. But when you're all like talking about the, the adults in the book, I don't know if it's just like a sad reflection of how old I'm getting, but I started like relating more to the adults in this book than I was to like Maverick, like as I was reading it. And I'm not, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to look at a 17-year-old and think, I look at that kid. So like as I'm like reading it and seeing like, the adults and the parents and Mr. Wyatt, I'm like and Maverick's kinda kinda giving them a hard time and that like he almost tries to villainize them. But I'm like oh come on, they're trying their best. Like can we all just can we all just be happy and try and get along, and try and get through this? But yeah. I didn't I didn't want to jump in with that. <laughs> no, I actually think that's why Angie Thomas is such a good YA author is because so many books I read, I'm like, I was reading one the other day, it was like a high fantasy novel where they were talking and in my head, the character was definitely like 20 something. And then there was just a line that was like, so much older than his 15 years. And I was like, this guy's not 15. I'm sorry. He's not, he's like killed 30 people. He's not a 15 year old. I'm sorry. It's just not happening. Whereas this book, he feels 17 
like he's going through a lot and he has a, a one kid and another on the way, but the character is 17. And I think that speaks so much to her skill of that. She is really writing about kids and about the voice of kids and the struggles of kids. But I kind of felt the same way too. I was like, uh Oh, it's not good. I'm, I'm rooting for the parents. What does this mean? <laughs> yeah. My biggest takeaway actually was I wanted to touch on the mental health side that Angie Thomas sort of delves into with this book is I think a lot more YA books are talking about mental health anyway now. Um, it's becoming a more common theme to see, which is great because I don't think the books I read when I was a teen necessarily did that. But in particular, the fact that she is delving into mental health for men as well, which is even less talked about, is really incredible to see and really well done, I thought. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm not a man, so I don't have that perspective of it but from the men in my life that I've seen that have suffered with mental health issues and haven't been able to talk about it and the messages that I've been instilled with to talk about your mental health because of the things that they've experienced it was really nice to see Angie Thomas not just saying your mental health is important but specifically saying to men and to young boys that your mental health is important and you can always find someone that's going to help is it is it Mr. Wyatt that helps him? Is that the right character? Yeah. Um, just to see them have those conversations on the bench and to see Maverick learn to tend the roses and to see that follow through into the hate you give. It's this symbol of, I mean, it's called Concrete Rose. It's this symbol of all the other things that she's discussing, but also of his mental health and his ability to deal with that because of someone kind in his life. I know for me, I, I was very much... Um yeah interested in, in Maverick's mental health especially as he coped with grief one character that we haven't actually discussed yet who was uh, maybe one of my favorite characters in the book is his cousin Dre and so I really loved the the conversations that Maverick was having with the adults in his life after losing his cousin and the way that he had to work through that grief and the way that he was challenged to even deal with it because he had so much going on in his life and he was working so hard and he had his own son to care about all of these things that he didn't feel like he had any space to deal with that grief. And so those moments in the book where he's kind of forced to slow down and and actually deal with those feelings... I found were really meaningful. Like you said, uh, some of those pressures that um, that men, and especially we see Maverick dealing with around his mental health, right, is that he has to be the man, he has to be the dad, he has to be a father, so you don't have time to be sad and sit around. Um, it's kind of how he feels. And he has to to come around on that thinking and allow himself moments where he can feel in order to be the father that he needs to be. Yeah, and I think there's one specific moment that I always think about with this book where it feels like it's getting too much for him and he takes a step outside while his son is crying and Dre, I think it's Dre who's with him at the time, uh, comes out and Dre's a young father as well. And Maverick's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. And his answer is really simply like, you go back in, you can take the moment to take a deep breath and like be scared and then you you go back in and it's it's the fact that you're going to go back in that means you're a good father. Like it's not the fact that you had to take a moment to step out and be okay. It's that you're then taking care of of everything. You're taking care of everything. And I thought that was such a special moment and I think too in the idea of mental health, I also really appreciated that this book was compassionate towards Seven's mother who does end up um 
leaving her son with Maverick when it's determined that he's the father and kind of leaving his life for a little bit. And postpartum depression is mentioned. And but it's not mentioned with again with shame or anything like that. It's just she has her own issues that she needs to deal with and and she's trying to to handle her own mental health and figure that out. And she's made sure that her son is in a safe place. And I appreciated that that was done with compassion as well. It's so important to see these things in like these contexts as well. A lot of the the books we give attention to are, you know, like sci-fi fantasy um, and there's death and there are questions of grief and, and mental health, even like all of those things in those books. But this feels way more authentic because it's, it's something that I know like people have actually had to, like people have actually had to tackle grief and, and all of this within this context, you know, and it's so important for especially uh, readers of color to, to be able to see this honestly in in, in this context. It, it makes me think of um the Pixar movie Coco, which for me, when that movie came out, it just happened to come out at a very, I had a very difficult thing going on in my life that very weekend that it came out and um, watching this young Mexican kid (laughs) with a family that looked a lot like mine have to deal with questions of death was like so impactful for me. That movie, I have a hard time actually watching it, not because it's bad. It's an incredible movie just because it resonates with me so well. And I remember thinking, like, I've seen movies about death before. I've read books about death. I've I've seen characters struggle with these same questions. But to see somebody who looked like me and to see his family, which looks like my family, it just complete. I didn't even know I needed it. I didn't even know I needed it until I saw it. And so I look at something like this. And again, I'm not black, but like I can imagine that being able to to read this book and seeing things like mental health or seeing things like grief or uh, death within this context is it probably is impactful for somebody else out there. I'm sure many people out there in the same way that like Coco was for me um, a few years ago. Well, I think we've had a pretty good discussion. <laughs> we've all gone around. We've all given our takeaways. Is there anything else that somebody like, is there anything that you guys just absolutely want to mention before we wrap up? Can I just give mad props to the title? Like, I think the, just the story and finding, um, like, obviously, Maverick being the rose that grows off out of concrete or whatever. And then, of course, Maverick working um, the gardens at Mr. Wyatt's house and all of these different things. Like, I love when titles summarize the story so well without giving it away. So I just wanted to give mad props to the title because I thought it was great. <laughs> just as a fun fact and to kind of bring things full circle, Angie Thomas was sharing on her social media that she actually discovered um, that she had used that title previously as the working title for the collection of short stories that later became The Hate You Give. The Hate You Give was first imagined as um, yeah a short story that she wrote in college and university. And so she shared like this early draft that she found on her computer where she had had these stories and they were saved under the title Concrete Rose. It really showed me how 
this story that they are so closely connected like i think the hit you give and the concrete rows are inseparable they were really imagined as kind of one long story that's been in angie's head for a long time so that was kind of a, a really interesting moment that she had forgotten about that and then just found that recently and shared it with us well we're gonna go ahead and wrap up here uh thank you for listening to our first ever book club discussion. I think it went pretty well. I think we had a really good and strong first book. <laughs> I'm like nervous for the second one because it has so much to live up to. Um, it's all downhill. It's all downhill. It's all downhill. <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed this book club. We're, we're going to, of course, continue to do regular episodes as well. We didn't the last couple of months. We actually have some interviews coming up on the podcast, I believe, uh, within the next couple of months. And so excited to do those. Look out for those. We have interviews on the website as well. Uh, we just had one with Ransom Riggs. His new book came out this week. Uh, Spencer has an interview coming out. Well, yeah, it'll already be out and published by the time this episode's out with, I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, Luisa Onome. Yeah, that's right. Um, and yeah, do do look up that interview. It was absolutely wonderful talking with Luisa. And her book um, is another really important story from a Black author talking about the experience of a young girl growing up in a neighborhood that is going through this process of gentrification. And so again, uh, just another wonderful story that is so important to be told. And I would totally recommend checking it out. Definitely. And then we also have an interview with L.L. McKinney talking about Wonder Woman's black sister. I had no idea there was a black Wonder Woman. Uh, but th this is uh, one that Christy did. She's not on today's episode, but she has been on in the past. Yeah, Christy did an interview with L.L. McKinney and Robin Smith, and that is also on the website. So three author interviews in a week. That's pretty cool. <laughs> not going to lie. Um, so definitely go check all those out. I can even link to all of those in the show notes so you can easily access them. Apart from that, thank you again for being here with us today. If you liked the show, again, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter, at BookmarkedYA. You can follow our website online, too. Just look up Bookstacked on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. All of those, again, are in the show notes. And then, really quickly, you can find me on Twitter, at Saulmark, S-A-U-L-M-A-R-Q. What about you, Michael? Uh, I'm on Instagram, at the michael burns yeah i just started a book instagram so you can find me at plucky bookmark on instagram you can find me on twitter at spencer b miller and you can find me on instagram for all your canadian ya uh, book needs at ya canada books um i'm on instagram at mrs bs 713 <laughs> uh, you can find me on instagram at words and stars and while I'm here, can I just quickly plug our team book review of Concrete Rose that should come out around the time of this podcast as well. So keep an eye out for that one as well. Yes, thank you for being here to remind me of that. We are doing, we're doing a collective book review, all six of us, in a single article. So you'll be able to read our thoughts there as well and kind of see what we have to say. That's everything. All of those links will be in the show notes. We will see you next time. Until then, bye. 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 Bye.